Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What an atmosphere of faith today. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, White and Wendy team, thank you for uh, sharing the the worship of God, and I hope you're encouraged today. Uh, Today is Palm Sunday, so thank you for joining us for the broadcast, and hopefully together we'll all be back in the sanctuary soon. If you have your Bible today, you can join with me, Matthew chapter 21, and uh, I want to ask a couple of questions before we get started. First of all is this. What would you do if you absolutely knew that you would die next week? Would it change what you would do this week? What would you do if you absolutely knew the place and how you were going to die? I think it may change uh, the way that you operate the next few days. Uh, Would you change your plans, avoid the place where you would be going? I think maybe you would. That's exactly what Jesus did not do. He knew he was going to die. He knew the place he was going to die. He knew how he was going to die, but yet he went full throttle to the place where he was going to spend his last few days. In Matthew chapter 21, we have the account of the triumphal entry. It says, now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, this is verse 5, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble, mounted on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the coat, put on their coats or their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut down palm branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, this account of the triumphal entry appears in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So each one gives account to this happening of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. It's the last week of his life, and he's going to resurrect, we know, the following Sunday. But he's coming in in a triumphal way. Now, I want to just take a couple of things here that I think is very, very important. Number one is the prophetical significance of all this. Because this was not just something that happened. This was something that was prophesied literally hundreds and even over a thousand years before Jesus would do this. In Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4, it says the Messiah would come from the Mount of Olives. He's going to do it at this account. When he comes back to rule and reign for a thousand years, he's going to do it again from the Mount of Olives. In Zechariah 9 and 9, in verse 5 of, of Matthew 21 that I just read, is actually a quote from the prophet Zechariah, which happened years before. And this is what it says. The king of Zion is going to come, and this is how he's going to come, verse 9. 
Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation to you. Is he humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey? Zechariah said this 500 years before the event ever, ever happened. Someone said that prophecy and the fulfillment of prophecy is the calling card of God. You know, there's a lot of prophets today, so-called prophets. A lot of the things they say never, ever come to pass. But everything that is prophesied in the Bible that comes to pass is an indication that the Word of God is true. There's no other religion, no other holy man, no other, quote, Savior, no other one who's going to connect us with God, whoever has the history, the record, or the authenticity of what God is doing right here. Now, I want to take you back even further. This is in Genesis chapter 49. Many of you will know the story. Jacob is dying. And Jacob is the patriarch, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he is birthing the sons that will become the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, as uh, Jacob is dying, he brings all the sons together, and he prophesies, and he speaks something over each and every one of them. When he comes to Judah, which is the tribe that Jesus Christ comes out of, I want you to see what he says. This is found in 49, verse 8. Judah, your brother shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's club, cub. And from the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouches as a lion and as a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him. And to him shall he be the obedience of the people, Binding his foal to the vine, his donkey's coat to the choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine, his vesture in the blood of grapes. Now, I don't know if you caught uh, verse number 11 there, but uh, Jacob begins to talk about donkeys and a donkey's coat. Now, this wonderful uh, giving of prophetical words by Jacob is very significant. Now, I want to just give you just a rundown. He, he says, your brothers shall praise you, bow down to you. You will subdue your enemies. You will be like a lion. The scepter and the staff will not uh, depart from Judah. Talk about his royalty. To him, people will be obedient. Look at verse 11. Binding his foal to the vine, his donkey's coat to the choice vine. His garments are washed in wine, his vesture in the blood of grapes. In John 15 and 1, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, I am the true vine. Now, this verse says that this donkey... And this colt and the foal of a donkey is going to be tied to the vine. Well, if Jesus is the true vine, then actually Jacob is talking about this incident that we're uh, discussing here on Palm Sunday. Folks, listen, this is 1,600 years before this event ever, ever happens. If you ever wanted to know, is the Bible true? It's true because he has prophesied all of these events even up to 1,600 years before they would ever, ever come to pass. Daniel also had a prophetic statement. The angel came to Daniel and said there's going to be 70 sevens. And uh, if you take 70 years and multiply them by seven, you get 490 years. And the countdown begins at the rebuilding of Jerusalem in the temple. Then he gives us another countdown inside of that. And he says, and let me just give you the... the, uh, 
the line here, the anointed ruler will come. Now, now catch it, the anointed ruler will come. Now, if I count down from the time the anointed ruler comes, it equals out to the triumphal entry. And not only does he say the anointed ruler will come, he says he will be put to death. And Daniel has a countdown for us. Isn't it amazing that Daniel's countdown coincides with the triumphal entry in the last week of Jesus' life? And this is the prophetical statements, and this was given 600 years before Jesus was ever born. The significance of prophecy is absolutely overwhelming in the sense that it ties us to the coming of Jesus Christ, the ministry of Jesus Christ, and right down to this day when Jesus rides into Jerusalem. Now, there's some things here I think we need to really focus in on because some of you know this, some of you don't know this, and here's the case. The day that Jesus rides into Jerusalem, he goes from Bethany to, to Bethphage and then into Jerusalem, it's the day of the lamb selection. It's lamb selection day. Now, what does that mean, Pastor? It means you have thousands, hundreds of thousands. Josephus even says sometimes in that entire area there may be at least a million people whenever uh, the Passover would be uh, held. Pilgrims coming in from all over the known world. And this is the time that Jesus is going to make this entry. So this is the day they would select the lambs to be slain for Passover. Now, if you go back to the book of Exodus, this is what God said. He said, every family selects a lamb. The lamb has to be the pure lamb, first year, male, without spot, without blemish. And they would bring these lambs into their homes, the house, into the cities. And there they would examine the lambs for about a week. They would try to find some fault in the lamb, some blemish in the lamb. When they could not find it, then the lamb was worthy to be the Passover lamb. So picture in your mind, thousands of people bringing the lambs in. Hundreds of people maybe going to certain places to find lambs. And here at Bethphage, this is the place where the lambs are brought from Bethlehem into the environment of uh, Jerusalem. Now, Jesus has traveled from Jericho. If you remember, he healed a blind man at Jericho. Thou son of David, have mercy upon me. He goes from Jericho. He ascends up into Bethany. He spends the night with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He's resurrected Lazarus from the dead. Then he, from Bethany, tells his disciples, go into the next town. And he says, find the colt, find the, the donkey so that I can enter into Jerusalem. Now, this area that we're talking about is where the lambs are gathered in. It is a suburb of Jerusalem on the east side. It's an area where many of the priests lived. And there, they're the ones overseeing the sacrifices, overseeing the lambs that will come for the Passover. And here's what I want you to catch. In this account of the triumphal entry, Jesus is taking the very same route as the sacrificial lamb that's going to be slain at Passover. So as they take the lambs and they go into the city of Jerusalem for Passover, Jesus is taking the same route as all the other lambs. And let me tell you why. He is the Lamb of God. When John was going to baptize uh, Jesus when he appeared, uh, John's statement was, Behold the Lamb of God, which is going to take away the sins of the world. 
And here the lamb, like all the other lambs, is going into Jerusalem. But this is the true lamb of God. This is the lamb that's going to end all of the sacrificial lambs that are going to roll the sins away or roll them up, not take them away. But how many of you know Jesus is the Lamb of God that does take away all the sins of the world if we trust Him, if we believe in Him? So here's the area. The priests live in this area. The lambs are brought to this area. Jesus comes. He says, let me uh, allow you to go before me and try to find a donkey and a colt. You'll find it in a certain place tied up. And he takes the same route as these sacrificial lambs. Now let's focus on the donkeys just a little bit. Isn't it odd that Jesus chooses the donkey? Now, this is not just happenstance. This is a prophetic fulfillment. Because he's fulfilling Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And many of the priests, the scribes, and the people knew that prophecy. And so when Jesus selects and tells them to get the the donkey and the colt, he knows he's fulfilling the Word of God. He's fulfilling Scripture. Now, notice, an older donkey and the colt. So there, there's two. There's not just one. There's two. They take their garments. They lay on the, the animals, much like we would say a saddle, something for him to sit on. Some scholars say that he only rode one. The other says he rode both. But nevertheless, there are two with him, and he's riding in. So what do they signify? Well, there's been a lot of debate, a lot of discussion on that, possibly. One is the passing of the old covenant, representing the older donkey, and then the bringing in of the new covenant, representing the, the newer donkey or the colt or the foal. Some say it is uh, representing the Jews and the Gentiles. The gospel first preached to the Jews. They had a, a covenant. The old covenant is with the Jewish people. Now, people could come in and be a part of that, but yet the covenant is actually to the Jewish people. But yet there's a, a foal there, a colt, and the Bible is very uh, specific, one that had never been ridden. Now, listen, I'm an old country boy. I was raised on a farm or a ranch. If you ever got on an animal, a horse, or anything that's never been ridden, how many of you know you're ready for a rodeo? And so Jesus is going to ride not only the donkey, but possibly the one who's never been ridden. It really shows us a couple of things. He's the sovereign Lord controlling everything. I've been on a few of those where I wish I could control it, but I didn't, and I hit the ground. But he is in control. Not only that he can ride something that's never been ridden, but also that he knows where those donkeys are, and he sends his disciples to the right place. Also that when they're taking the donkey and the colt and the foal of the donkey, wouldn't someone think this is like uh, thievery? But he says, you tell the person who asks, what are you doing? You say, the Lord has need of it. So this is the, the sovereignty of God again. So not only does he control who is there, what is there, but he controls the entire situation. So when we say the other might represent the Jewish people and the Gentiles, the older donkey may represent the old covenant and the Jewish people, the newer donkey representing the new covenant and the Gentiles who are coming into the kingdom of God. So all of this really factors in to this whole scenario, this scene. Now notice that Jesus gives the message to obtain the donkeys, and sovereignly everything works out. And as he enters into the city, and as I read, 
The Bible says the people are very excited. It says the, the entire area of Jerusalem is moved. It's almost like an earthquake going on. Because here's someone coming in, fulfilling prophecy. They know the scripture. And they're beginning to cry out, Hosanna, which means God save us or save us now. They're under the, uh, the brutal jurisdiction and the overwhelming hand of the Romans. It's been that way for a long, long time. They're looking for deliverance. They're, they're looking for someone to overthrow this strong hand of, of the Romans. And now there's a savior, if you will, a, 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 a one that's coming that they're looking to overthrow the Romans, maybe to liberate them from this horrible condition they've been in for hundreds of years. But that's not exactly what Jesus is going to do. He's setting up his kingdom. He's going to the cross, but it's not exactly what people think that he's doing. Uh, let me just insert this. Have you ever decided how God could do something and he didn't do it the way that you wanted him to do it? Uh, that's very disappointing. I think these people are disappointed that he didn't come and set up his kingdom right then, right now. Sometimes you and I get in the same place. God, this is the way I want you to do this or you know, I, I, I need a husband, I need a wife. Could it be this person? Could it be that person? I need a job. Lord, I, I need to be healed. I could, I, I could use your help here. I could use your help there. And then God doesn't do it exactly the way that we think. A lot of people just throw him off. If you're not going to do it the way I say, Lord, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. Some people are there right now. They've been disappointed. It didn't happen the way that they thought it should happen. God didn't show up the way they thought God should show up. And they've just said, God, I don't want to have anything to do with you. But you know, God has his own timetable. He has his own way. He has the things that he does in the way that he does them. And if I think he's going to operate on my table and, and my timetable in the way that I think, then I'm going to probably be sadly mistaken. So today we have to realize that God has a timing. He has a way. He's sovereign. And he's doing what he's doing for our benefit. It's really not for his benefit. Because he's going to face the cross. He's going to die. But he's doing this for us. So the people are shouting. There are the garments are strewn in front of him. The palm branches come down off the trees. They're laid before him, making a path. They're, they're, they're lining and covering the streets so that he can make his triumphal entry. The king is coming. And he's coming into Jerusalem. And they're happy to see him, shouting Hosanna, son of David, the messianic prophetic bloodline, the lineage. He's going to come from King David, this next king that's coming. And the king is coming in triumph. And he comes into the city, and that day he's there. You know, there are some that uh, obviously are happy to see him. There are many that are not happy to see him at all. I want to end today by just saying this. The king came into Jerusalem and during this time, he wept over that city. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have come to you? And I would have gathered you under my wing like a hen would gather her brood, but you would not. And he is riding on this donkey, and there, there's some things that we can glean from this that I think is very important today. When a king would come in peace, he would usually ride a donkey because he was saying, I'm not a threat. I'm not coming here to conquer. I'm walking. I'm coming. I'm riding. I'm approaching you in peace. So many different times throughout history, when leaders would meet, they would say, I'm coming in peace, or I'm coming not to war. I'm coming 
in some kind of consolation. I'm coming in some kind of treaty. This is the first time in your Bible we have any record of Jesus ever riding any animal. He always walked. This is the first time he ever gets on a beast of burden and he rides. No, no other time in your Bible does he ever ride an animal like he's riding here. But he's riding on the donkey saying to Jerusalem and all the people who are watching, I'm coming to you in peace. But if a king was going to come in war, he wouldn't be riding a donkey. It'd be about three things he'd be riding. He'd either be riding a mule or a chariot. And most of the time, he'd be riding a horse. Not a donkey, but a horse. But this time, Christ is coming on the donkey. He's coming in peace. But we read in Revelation chapter 19, the next time he comes and rides the same path and rides into Jerusalem through the same gate, crosses the Mount of Olives. You have to understand when he came from, from uh, Jericho, he was right there by the River Jordan. Then he comes up to a higher elevation and he comes to Bethany, which is probably on the, the eastern slope of uh, the Mount of Olives. Then he goes up a little higher to Bethpage. And there he's uh, probably on the descent on the western side to cross the Kidron Valley up through the Golden Gate or the Eastern Gate into Jerusalem. And the Bible says that when he comes again, he will not be on the donkey, he'll be on the white horse. He'll make the same route. He'll come from the Mount of Olives. He'll go down through the Kidron Valley. He'll come into the Golden Gate or the Eastern Gate. He'll go into Jerusalem to sit on his father David's throne to rule and reign a thousand years. What does that mean for us? You know, pastor, is just a piece of history that you're, you're sharing with us? There are two groups of people there on that day. Those who welcomed him, those who didn't welcome him. There may be some who got caught up in the pageantry, some in the excitement. Some may be saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who's coming in the name of the Lord who later that week may have been crying out, crucify him. I don't know. Maybe, they, maybe they're wishy-washy. Maybe they're changing their mind. Maybe he didn't do what they thought he should do. Maybe he wasn't the person they thought he was. But this is what I know. When he comes again, there's always going to be two groups of people. There's going to be those who are going to be so excited that Jesus is coming. You know, we've gone through a month that has been very tough. There have been loved ones who have passed away, friends that you know and I know that have uh, gone on to meet the Lord. All over the world, there are tens of thousands of people dying. Even here in America, thousands upon thousands of people are dying because of the virus. Even here in Oklahoma, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that are dying, and there are probably more to come in the future. Uh, people who are infected, people when this is even over, the main cause probably of their death is going to be complications through this. No doubt that's the case. So we don't know when we're going to fade off the scene, but we do know this. The king is going to come. He came to Jerusalem once in a triumphal way. He's going to come again in another triumphal way. The next time he's going to be on the white charger, this time he's on, he's on the donkey. He's coming in peace. You know, you and I need to meet him in peace. We can do that today. You can meet the Lord in peace. I can meet the Lord in peace. And the way we do that is we just accept who he is. As they cried out, Hosanna, God save us. He is the salvation of God. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He has the name that's above every name. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other name except this name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the son of David. He is the royal lineage. He comes from a kingly background. He is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. So today, we can say, I accept him for who he is. He is the Lord. He's the Savior. He is the prophesied one. He's the one who's fulfilling all these Old Testament scriptures that went on thousands of years before. He's the one who has sovereign control over the donkey, over the the foal, over the one who owns the donkey. The Lord has need of him. He's the one who is in control today. Even sometimes when we feel like he's not in control, he's still in control. This is his agenda. This is our Father's world. So today, let me just challenge you. Let me just ask you a question. Are you going to be ready when he comes again? This triumphal entry, this this triumphal uh, entrance of the king was spectacular, spot on from what Daniel said, that the king, the anointed one would come and salvation would be with him, Zacharias said too. So he's here today. He needs an entrance into your heart. He needs your gate to open. He needs your heart to open. He needs my heart to open to receive him as the peacemaker. And he wants to make peace between you and God and me and God. Because my sins and my shortcomings have alienated me, but yet through the death of Jesus Christ, what's going to happen at the end of this week, in this triumphal week, in this Passover week, What's going to happen at the end of this week is going to change everything. It's going to bring peace between me and God, you and God. So I accept the lamb, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, the lamb that John said comes to take away the sins of the world. So let me encourage you today as we we see this scene unfold. I mean, what, what a tremendous scene this was. Shouting, celebration, probably dancing along the streets. The, the coat strewn, the, the palm branches laid out. Jesus coming in peacefully, wanting to make peace. And yet today, we still have that same opportunity that he wants to make peace with us. So that's our challenge. That's your choice, my choice. So can we accept him for who he is, what he's done? And can we receive him into our hearts be the King and the Savior and the Lamb for our lives? The answer is absolutely yes. I read the Old Testament about donkeys uh, this past week. Most of you know that the firstborn of everything was dedicated to the Lord. If you go back and reread this in Exodus, you can uh, see that the firstborn is the Lord's. But when it comes to a donkey... The Bible says that you shall redeem the donkey with a lamb. Interesting. You redeem the donkey with a lamb. And the lamb was riding the donkey into Jerusalem for that entrance. And today, we can learn some lessons from a donkey. Sometimes you and I act like a donkey. Maybe we're stubborn. We don't want to go where we need to go. We, want, we don't want to do what we need to do. But there's a lamb that's willing to tame the donkey. There's a lamb that's willing to be upon your life and my life and in my life and in your life to take us places that we've never been before, to give us a life we've never had before, 
to find the peace of God that passes all understanding, to find the goodness of God that you and I don't have, but we can receive, to find the righteousness of God, to be right with God, because He took our sin and gave us His righteousness. What a wonderful trait. What a wonderful story. What a wonderful account of the king coming to his own people, to his city that bears his name, and they rejoiced. Today we can rejoice because we can receive the same king. He's available to every one of us. And you need to think, and I need to think, how I'm going to rejoice about his coming into my personal life. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you right now in the awesome name of Jesus. I pray for every person, every person that needs you. That would be all of us because we all need you. Lord, let decisions be made. Let hearts be open. This may be the defining, changing moment of a person's life and their destiny and their eternity. So, Lord, as you rode in as the King, as the Lord, let us too cry, Hosanna, save us. God, save us. And, Lord, we know you are the salvation of God. So I pray that there would be people today praying, Lord Jesus Christ, come into my heart. Come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord, and today I dedicate my life to you. And out of my mouth, I confess what my heart is now believing. Lord, we believe that as we confess you, and as we live for you, and as you come into our hearts, and as we dedicate our life to you, and as you take our sins far from us, that we are saved. And Lord, we are following you in obedience That when you come again, we'll be ready to go, not left behind and not destined for a horrible ending, but destined for heaven. So, Lord, that's our prayer today. And God bless each one. And we receive it, we believe it, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.